This is the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast interview with Gabrielle Friedman. Right. Yeah. Instead of instead of sitting for um, exams, life is the big exam. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> you're on. You're constantly being tested by, you know, supervisors and the clients, and and not just within your work life, but also home life and your personal life and your health life. You're just being tested by everyone and anyone that you know you come across, and it can be challenging at first, and it can be kind of daunting. But like, once you get the flow of it, you're you're smooth sailing. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Kayati, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles. I hope you're having a fabulous week and are excited for this conversation with Gabrielle. We dive into her experiences as a student as well as her passion for researching and creating support for intersectionality within the music therapy community. We dive into some clinical experiences and, you know, being silly and adapting and balancing all sorts of good conversation in this one. So I hope you're looking forward to it. As always, please check us out online and on all the social media platforms at Music Therapy Chronicles. You can jump on our newsletter over at our website. And in the newsletter, um, I'm one of those people who does not like having extra emails in my inbox all the time. So I only send the newsletter out once a month. I include behind the scenes sneak peeks, some stuff that's coming up, self-care resources, productivity stuff, just, you know, whatever's kind of on my mind and on my heart. Uh, I like to share in the newsletter, so definitely check that out. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, and please consider leaving us a rating and review. Those really help the podcast be more visible, and you can always become a patron over on patreon.com. That's a great way to support the show. If you are enjoying the show and want to get CMTEs for the time you spend listening, you can check out our pod course opportunities over at mtpodcastcollective.com. There's many podcasters um, putting up pod courses over there. Kate Chin and I are really happy to have that platform up and running for you. And hopefully there's a topic you find interesting in one of our pod courses. All right, let's get into this conversation. Gabrielle, welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Thank you, Trisha, for having me. I'm I'm so excited to be here, and I'm a huge, huge fan of the show. So I'm very excited that I've got to uh, reach out and, you know, get to be on the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show and wanting to come on and share your insights and your stories. And uh, that's sometimes the hardest step for people. You know, it's like we want to share, but having the guts to do it says a lot. Absolutely. And especially when it's coming from a student standpoint and, you know, having the vulnerability and, and kind of the willpower mm. to, you know, reach out and say, hey, this is what I really want to talk about. This is something that I'm like really passionate about. And it's it's really, really awesome now that I've, you know, pulled the Band-Aid yeah. off. Yeah. I'll say this for anyone listening who's having the same thoughts. Um, some of my most listened to episodes are the ones with students and interns. Hey. So people are looking for that content, you know, whether it's students listening to them or professionals listening to them, trying to get fresh perspectives or um, professors listening to them, trying to get a better understanding. People are looking for that. So if you're a student and you have something to share, it is definitely worth sharing. Cool. To start us off, will you tell the listeners just about yourself? Absolutely. Um, so 
I am a student music therapist studying at SUNY New Paltz, uh, go Blue Hawks. Um, I am currently a, um, I, like I said, I'm a student and this upcoming fall and spring will be my third and final year of grad school. So it's going to be very difficult trying to transition <laughs> from student to professional because all of my life I have, de- I've had the label of student. Mm like ever since pre-K, like you you never think to have the occupation, quote unquote, to say of student yeah. for so long. And now that that's coming to an end, it's just going to feel somewhat odd and somewhat very, I don't know, I'm cringing right now <laughs> over the fact that I'm not going to have this label of student, but hopefully when I obtain my credentials as MTBC, I will proudly um exude the 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 credentials of mtbc so i'm like i said i'm a student (laughs) um and when i'm not in the classroom learning i am teaching off um in a very small uh, music school right here in my uh, hometown and i also teach privately and just a bit of a backstory for me. I have always loved music. I've always heard stories of my mom telling me, you could sing full songs before I could even speak in full sentences. And that's kind of true because I was a child with special needs and I had a speech delay, which led to having a speech and language impairment throughout uh, grade school and um, middle school. And I've had special accommodations to help me with that. So as a young kid, I've always had, you know, therapists and special help, quote unquote. And I've always been pulled out for speech therapy and occupational therapy. So it was kind of funny because when my mom told me about music therapy, I was like, wait a minute. This sounds very similar to what I've experienced kind of in grade school, but in a whole new light because it's all about music now. And I've always had the passion of music and helping others and combining that with my past experiences of being in therapy. Mm. Why not combine it all and be like, hey, this is a this is a uh, career that I can make it out of. So why not? So I gone forward since then I've obtained an associate's degree and I've obtained a bachelor's degree. Now I'm obtaining my master's degree and this is where we are right now. Yeah. Oh, how cool though to to have that life experience to bring with you into your professional career. And uh, I'm a firm believer that we're all lifelong students. That's, you know, students of life per se. And that that's a big part of why I started the podcast. So <laughs> you don't have to let go of that label if you don't want to, but I totally, totally understand what you're saying where it's like, where do I sit now? How do I explain who I am and what I am? And, yeah. Right. Instead of instead of sitting for um, exams, life is the big exam. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> you're on. You're constantly being tested by, you know, supervisors and the clients, and and not just within your work life, but also home life and your personal life and your health life. You're just being tested by everyone and anyone that you know you come across and it can be challenging at first and it can be kind of daunting but like once you get the flow of it you're you're smooth sailing (laughs) yeah right do we ever get the flow of it but that's so well said that you know every day is a different different test a different challenge a new way to use your knowledge and adapt and figure it out yeah so true yeah Awesome. So will you tell the listeners um, your like how you kind of found music therapy? You, you touched on it a little bit. And then where your current interests lie? Like, where has it taken you so far? So like I've said, I've always been passionate about music. I've been in orchestras and I've been in choirs and I've played piano a little bit in my senior year of high school. And then my mom was like, in my junior year of high school, so the year prior to me picking up piano, I was like, why don't you research music therapy? And I'm just like, okay, 
I will do it. <laughs> sure, mom. As 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 any 16, 17-year-old adolescent person would do. So I did my research. I did a whole bunch of learning and reading. And I was like, wow. Wow. So I was like, I think music therapy is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I was like, mom, thank you for this. <laughs> so if my mom's listening, um, thanks to you, mom, for uh, giving me the opportunity to learn about music therapy and, you know, make it my now dream career. And especially like when, when you have those like career aptitude tests in high school, like the, one of my first um, careers was like an engineer weird. And then my, the second was like musician or music therapist. I was like, um, okay. So it, it, it kind of like was predestined on me to become either a music therapist or a musician or some kind of any, any performative art person. Mm. So it's always been, you know, my destiny to do music. And, um, you know, after, after grad school, I'm hoping to hopefully maybe go into research. Maybe I'll do, you know, stuff with kids. Um, I've always liked to work with kids. My mom is a nursery school teacher. So um, I've always been around kids, you know, ever since I was really young and then working my way, you know, up to where I am now. Um, in terms of like where I want to go, at, if I don't want to do kids, maybe someone, uh, some population within the mental health community as someone who has also um, been dealt with mental health issues, uh, mental health illnesses, I meant to say. Um, yeah, I've always been passionate about, you know, putting myself into the forefront of music therapy, as well as like providing some aspect of, I would say a face to the to the 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 background so like for example if a patient or a client were to be a part of the lgbtq plus community they have a music therapist to look up to and say hey this this music therapist is a part of the lgbtq plus community why not have them you know you know kind of exchange the vibes if you know what i'm talking if, if you know what i'm saying um so having a person to look up to would be, you know, awesome because I've always had therapists to look up to look up to and they helped me guide my way through life. So why not be the same for others? Yeah. Representation is so important. I was um I was recently talking to a social worker at one of my schools and I shared with him the statistic that uh 86% of music therapists are white cisgendered females and we were we continued talking continued talking and he says so he assumed I guess that that was the stat for the state I live in and then he asked about the country and I said oh no no that is the stat for the American Music Therapy Association so our state is a good representation of the macrocosm for sure but you're so right that representation is is important and um we need to have it <laughs> we need to have it it's 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 imperative Right. I mean, not only just think, not only think about it on a national level, but think about it on a global level as well. Yes. You know, just think about, you know, the, the music therapists in Britain and in Israel and in Puerto Rico and this country and that country. Think of it also in that context, too. It's also, you know, cisgender female oriented mm -hmm. as someone who is a part of the LGBTQ, uh, that acronym <laughs> it's a long that, one. It, I mean, it's getting longer. Um, the LGBTQ plus community, it's, it's, we're kind of, even though we have an affinity group, it's still under kind of unrepresented. Mm -hmm. And especially with, you know, my thoughts about starting a Jewish affinity group, you know, I saw also a statistic on Instagram where it was a really crazy statistic where um, since 2014, um, there has been 
almost a 20,000% increase of anti-Semitic mm. hate crimes. So I just want to, you know, create a safe space for music therapists to practice whether, you know, they don't feel as, you know, whether they really strongly believe in their Jewish faith or they, you know, they kind of do, or I just want to like make sure that we as the Jewish music therapy community feel safe and we can advocate for other Jewish music therapists or other, you know, Jewish people out there. It would be really cool to, you know, bring light, uh, so to speak with, uh, for those people. Yeah. Oh, what a what a great aspiration to have. And I love that you specifically mentioned like um, the spectrum of practice and belief and like holding space for all of that. And also what a great resource that would be for someone who is of Jewish faith and is looking for music therapy support and in that specific area or, you know, with that specific um, understanding and that like they had to have a place to look for to have a network where I could say you know someone came to me and say I don't I'm not the person for you but I know where to look because um, that's so important again that representation and, and direction for those of us who otherwise would be shooting in the dark right and especially when there has been a lot like an uproar of ha- of of um anti-semitic hate mm. I just feel as though we should, we as the Jewish music therapy community, or not even just the music therapy community, but as the Jewish community as well, as a whole to come together and be like, hey, I mean, I feel like we are already doing that. But I feel like we need to have a little bit more of an uplift Mm -hmm. in that kind of way. Um, And especially, um, yeah, like I said, there's been so much of an uproar of anti-Semitic hate, but also of you know and homophobia and transphobia biphobia there's also islamophobia there's all so much hate in this country i just i hate it (laughs) (laughs) it's it's such it's such a horrible thing to see people getting uh so much hate and with music therapy it it's such a incredible safe space and what I wanted to do, uh, what I'm saying is like, we should, you know, make the spaces a little bit safer, if that made any sense. Yeah. And especially with um, more and more people who are diagnosed with more and more, um, you know, illnesses and, and other diseases. For example, um, with my future thesis, um, I'm going to be doing music therapy for those affected with type 2 diabetes. So... Um, I've been doing like a whole bunch of research about diabetes and music therapy, and I don't see much of the connection of both diabetes and music therapy in in that con- context. So I had to kind of divvy it up mm-hmm. with diabetes and say mental health, diabetes and physical health, diabetes and this, that, everything, and then kind of take the and depression and mental health and everything and put it into music therapy and kind of like link it together, Mm -hmm. but there's not enough research. And hopefully with those, with the MTBC credentials, I'm hoping to pave my way through into research and kind of mesh the two together and create more of a bridge between diabetes and music therapy or music therapy and diabetes or whichever way you want to think about it. Yeah. Well, and since we know that music has both emotional and physiological effects on the body, like what, what an important area to have research in and to have understanding in because we can do so much good if we have some direction. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me very excited to, to, you know, put my, put all the things that I'm passionate about and and it could be for any music therapist, really, to put your passion forward to a career that you've been working for for so many years. Mm. So it makes me like even more excited because it's a because I don't want to be like too eco egocentric, but it's about me. Yeah, it's about you know what I've been dealing with, say for the past maybe five years or so. So it's been really challenging to find articles I found like really I don't know if I'm searching high or low enough on on, in the databases or anything but 
all of the databases that out of all the article, all the out of all the databases that I have looked in, I found one really good article about diabetes and music therapy. And I'm just like, well, can we build the bridge even better and stronger? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I love that this is from a student's perspective because it it's showing the gaps, you know, once you get into the professional world, it's so easy to kind of just put your head down in what you're doing. And um, obviously a lot of what we're doing has what has been being done. <laughs> so for, you know, these students to come in and say like, here are more questions, here are more areas that need to be looked into and here's why and to give the profession direction and new life so we can continue to expand and, and do better and serve more. That's so imperative. Right. Right. And I've also, I've also done other interesting topics. Um, I've done as like as class projects, but I've, I've seriously have considered, you know, doing it in my soon to be professional career. Um, I've done music therapy with the LGBTQ plus community with eating disorders. I've done music therapy uh, for those who have diabulimia, for and for those who don't know what diabulimia is, it's an eating disorder for those who have um, type one diabetes. So it's like a, um, it's it's basically both a physical thing where the type one diabetic patient is not wanting to take insulin because they'll make them feel fat. Mm. Wow. So. It, it's kind of like a mental thing and a physical thing for them. And what I wanted to do is like incorporate music therapy to be like, oh, this is what you're thinking. Here's some coping mechanisms that we can, you know, create with music so that way you can take your insulin and you can, you know, live a healthier and more fulfilled lifestyle. Yeah, that intersectionality is like, you know, of course, a hot topic right now in general, but to to bring it to our profession specifically, and to look at these areas, um, we're kind of getting to that point as a profession where we have to get more minute, and we have to, to grasp the grasp these topics. Um, and to find them even more, you know, it, it's, it's not just big, big heads, like mental health, music therapy, and mental health, like there's similar, but different ways to work with different people and their needs. And um, it's important to share those things because otherwise we're all going in blind. Yeah. And not only just blind, but it's also like, oh, this is music therapy and autism spectrum disorder. Why don't we do another paper on that? Mm -hmm. But we really want to make sure that we're getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller populations that we can make music therapy more of a stronger um, source of therapy, if you, if you really want to call it, well, it is called music therapy for a reason, but <laughs> if we, if we, <laughs> yes, to, to make music therapy a stronger resource yeah. for other people to really reach out and say, Hey, I'm a person with type two diabetes and my mental health is gone to crap. Um, would you please help me? And, you know, some music therapists would be, you know, sure, I'll help you. What are your needs? What are your music preferences? And we can, and we can, you know, make a list of everything and anything, but first with consent and everything, of course. And then we can go on from there. Um, yeah, it's really interesting that it's all been general and broad but now we really need to get down to the nitty-gritty and narrow mm -hmm. and I feel like as though I'm already doing that in my grad school work and I'm I guess doing a good job at it <laughs> yeah I love that because it's it's such a great place to start and a good time to start right when you have those resources available to you exactly and not only that um I have the professors to help me mm -hmm. you know steer in one direction or the other direction so i give a shout out to um my professors at suny new Paltz. um they've been so incredible over the past you know uh two years now that i've been in the program so it's been you know a journey and i will i'll you know surely be you know, missing everything once i graduate and leave suny new Paltz. so 
<laughs> but on to other exciting things, which is on to bigger and better cool. things. Yeah. So from where you're sitting right now, not physically, but metaphorically, <laughs> you, you like these are super big grand ideas and you have kind of a direction that you're taking. What do you want other people to know or to do or what do you wish was kind of happening that you didn't necessarily have to put in motion, but that would kind of be, you, you know, would kind of come into your peripheral like, oh, someone is doing this thing and that's an idea I had. I'm so glad someone else is taking the reins to do that. Right. I mean, one thing to note is um, when you're talking to other music therapists about like this kind of research, I think is to talk about that research with the music therapist that is doing the research and, you know, kind of get like a background information and maybe go into detail as to, you know, how they're doing it, why they're doing it, how is it, you know, going to affect, you know, people of that specific population. Um, I think that would be awesome. But we also have to, um, you know, I think that was the point that was going to, you know, come across. It's like, always ask and be mindful. Excuse me. Um, yeah, it's, it's to ask and be mindful and, you know, trying to get as much much information as you can so that way you can help, you know, diversify not only other people in the general population, but to, you know, um, what are the words I'm looking for? Um, kind of like educate yourself in a way. Mm. So the fact that I'm educating myself as a student and then telling everyone else at uh, just music therapy generally and just to um, get, you know, my, it's a good thing to like get my foot in the door of telling people because as someone who, you know, as someone who has been uh, dealing with a, a speech and language impairment for so long, it's always good to, you know, get my speech good uh that's not good grammar um <laughs> sounds fine um, to me it's always good to better my it's always it's always better to um get my get my speech rolling and try to you know work work make myself look and you know see everything in a bigger lens rather than just like the narrow music therapy lens that we have yeah yeah so like communicating with other other professions and you know going beyond reading the research alone to have these conversations and dig in deeper right i've i've yeah it's funny because my aunt has, you know, asked me, you know, what are you doing with these days? I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm waiting for my internship to to come in and, you know, I want to work with kids, but I don't know if I wanted to work with kids all, all of my life. So I want to, you know, diversify my, my demographics and my populations. So I'm thinking about, you know, shifting my gears towards, you know, medical or mental, 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 um, mental health. So she was like, there's this children's hospital and I'm trying to remember the name, but I can't remember the name. And I was like, I I got the name of it. And and it's funny because I used to do volunteer work at this children's hospital. Yeah, it was it was funny. It's um, it was kind of like singing. It was kind of like um, we were the only school that could come in and, you know, provide music for the kids. So we had our jazz band come in and I was a part of the small chorus that we were to come in and we sang for the kids. So it was really awesome and it was really a humbling experience to do that. And afterwards we handed um, presents to the kids because it was around the holidays. So it was so humbling to you know see myself grow from a chorus student singing in a children's hospital to now being a music therapist and actually you know doing kind of the same thing, but more on a therapeutic level and you know, doing this either individually or in a very, very small group setting. I mean, now with COVID, that doesn't exist mm-hmm. really. But, you know, prior to COVID, it was like, you know, small groups or like on individually, you know, it it sounds like 
a very humbling experience. Yeah. And sure. I, and I'm so excited to wait. I, I'm not excited to wait. I'm excited to finish grad school and I cannot wait for my career to start. Yeah. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> I'm so excited to wait for COVID to be <laughs> over so I can do life. That, that's, that's actually, <laughs> okay. That's okay. That's the better sentence. I can't, I, yeah, I can't wait to have COVID to end and then have my career start. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Don't let me put words in your mouth, but... Oh, I mean, we could just play meatloaf right now. You took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) I think that's where a lot of people are at, though, with, you know, figuring, navigating and figuring out what's happening and where to go. But what a cool connection that you got to do that. I think so often in order to, like, solidify ourselves as professionals and um, evidence-based we, we separate ourselves from that community music of like a high school going in and singing to kids or something. And in doing that, I think we train ourselves to negate the value of the community music. And maybe that's just my experience, but I think it's cool that you can keep that in your mind and say like, this is valuable and I enjoyed it and I learned a lot and was humbled. And now I can build on that. And that in no way negates either experience. They're just both important to your learning and experience. I've said that like 10 times. As a person, <laughs> your journey as a music therapist and to, to be able to keep that in the back of your mind, how important those things are too and support that community music, even though it is separate from you as a music therapist professionally. Right. It's, it's kind of uh, separating the music personally with the music professionally mm. and with the ethics behind it yes we want to you know keep our professional self in the workplace but we also want to you know have a life and you know be our own person you know personally but what i've heard from you know taking you know doing my own research and learning myself it's kind of it's kind of funny because um i heard that um you're supposed to act professional in your personal life. Mm. So I am kind of a little iffy on that because I like to act a little silly when I'm around my friends and family. I, so having to, you know, be a little silly around my friends and family, but not in my professional career, and especially when we're working with kids, that's not, you know, creating the balance that I, I want in, in, a, in a music therapy career. So it's kind of like having to pick and choose whether to, you know, act professionally in front of, in front of my friends and family or to act like really silly in, in, in music therapy settings with kids or just having like the, the bridge, like I've been saying all this time, the bridge of connecting both the silliness or the, the seriousness of, you know, the professional and the personal. I'm so glad you used the word silly because that's something that I always have in my mind too. And I find that um, the moments of breakthrough in sessions, and I always aim for laughter. If you haven't heard me say that on the show, I feel like if I can get someone to laugh, I've done it. I've accomplished whatever for the day. (laughs) Success. Um, Yeah. So like when I bring in that silliness, that's when the connection happens. That's when things break through. And when I have keep this construct of this is my professional setting and this is what I need to be I don't allow the expansion of that silliness and I am stifling my creativity in the session like I'm not trying things that I should be and when I choose to go there sometimes it doesn't work and I literally just look silly but sometimes it really does work super well and I I've accomplished so much more than if I had been more rigid Right. I mean, it was it was the it's that same thing when I uh, did my field work at um, a school back this uh, this past spring semester. I had there were some situations where I had to, you know, become a little on the sillier side for the kids. So that way they can we can have some kind of interaction or some kind of connection, Mm. even if it's through Zoom. Yes. Like through the screen, you can, you know, act, you know, a little on the sillier side and they can, you know, give a smile or nod their head or give some form of, you know, movement because they're on mute as well. Um, to know that they are there, they're in the here, they are in the now, mm-hmm. they are focused. Yes. In. Yes. Uh, one example of that, especially with you know this virtual format, 
is I remember, I think it was Stephanie Level talking about playing with the camera depth and like coming in and out of the frame. And so from anyone in my house, that would look very strange. <laughs> but for the person on the other end of the computer or the other end of the screen, it's like, oh, where'd she go? And then like it pops in the top of it. And, you know, whatever is happening musically would fit that. Um, yeah, yeah. To let yourself do that and to not be uncomfortable with it. Yeah, I, I've, like I've said before, I've always worked with kids. So I've always had this silly aspect of myself, but I know that I'm going into a therapy career. So I have to be in a professional manner. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, tossing a, a coin, whether to, you know, have the sillier, more funnier and have a connection with the child or be serious with the child and, you know, you know, deal with therapy and mm. it being a little, a little bit more constructed and a little bit more rigid. Mm. And that sometimes is the case, but like for me, no, uh, <laughs> especially when I'm, you know, still studying about music therapy and like how I can develop my own theor theoretical orientation and my own approaches. I can, you know, you know, kind of build on the different approaches and the orientations that I've been learning about and kind of, you know, kind of pick, not pick and choose, but maybe take some things out and then put some other things back in, mm -hmm. if that made any sense. Totally. I, I think there's time for both. Have you listened to uh, the episode with Lori Kubitschek? I don't think so. I will link it in the show notes, but um, I, I had an episode with her and she's a medical music therapist and you just like reminded me of her so much because she in that interview said something to the effect of, I've always connected with kids. It's just who I am. I tell my interns that like, I can't ex always explain what I do because it's just innate to what I do, but that's her secret sauce. And that's why she's so good at her job. And if she stifled that or took it away or tried to downplay it, she wouldn't be as effective and be such a great music therapist, teacher, intern supervisor, you know, that that is her authentic self and bringing that into the session is so important. Right. I mean, I think the other word that I'm thinking of is animated. Mm. So I love to, you know, emote a lot of, you know, like when I'm in a happier mood, I like to animate, you know, the 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 emotion that I'm pursuing. So if I'm teaching a a song, a teaching teaching, um, so if a student is at the piano or uh, playing their instrument, I say, would you play this line for me? And then once they played it, you know, perfectly and it sounds good, I was like, yes, you did it, and it gives the motive the motivation mm -hmm. to practice more. And to make sure that, you know, that things are, you know, the way they are. And that, like I said, it motivates them and it gives them, you know, the drive to go go even further and to even further challenge themselves. And I feel as though, you know, I'm doing that as well. Like if I'm putting in the, the, the drive and the motivation to, you know, you know, create a Jewish affinity group to, to build the bridge of diabetes and music therapy, then it's going to motivate me more to do more things and do those things even better and stronger. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it makes music therapy bigger and stronger. Yeah. Oh, what a great way to, to circle that back. Yes, that positive reinforcement is important. And especially, you know, you want to portray it in a way that can be felt by that other person. If I was just like, yeah, that was that was good. Good job. You know, it wouldn't feel as authentic. Um, and I don't know if I've ever said this on a recording. I, I know I've said it before. But when I hear music, we'll go with children's music that deals with emotions. And, you know, they, they say they have happy, sad, tired. But the accompaniment, the music is the same for all those emotions that, you know, as music therapists, I'm like, we, we know that when we play the happy part, the music needs to sound happy. When we play the sad part, the music needs to sound sad. And when we yeah. play the tired part, it needs to sound tired. So why is there so much music out there that 
doesn't do that. <laughs> like, you know, I can say the word happy, happy, happy all the time and show you the face or happy, happy, happy and sad, whatever. But the modality of music allows us to go so much deeper and we need to utilize that. And the same thing with being silly and animated and all of those other things is they're all tools in our tool belts and, and we need to use them to, to make those connections because that's what's going to instill um, the learning, the knowledge and the skills and the people we're working with. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything else you want to dive into before we go to the rapid fire questions? Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Um, I don't think so. Let's just get onto it. Let's go to the rapid fire. Let's go. All right. You listen to the show. Do you know the first question? Coffee or tea? Yeah, tell me. Coffee or tea? I am a thousand percent a coffee person. Coffee. Oh, wait. Coffee. I think I see your sticker. Is that the the Haley? And- yeah. Oh, yes. I have them on I my actually- notebook. Yeah, it's funny because I also um, I ordered the other pack of stickers and I'm also going to put them on my wonderful rainbow sparkly car- uh, coffee cup. Um, but yes, I've always been a coffee. Well, actually, I wouldn't say that. When I first started drinking coffee back in high school, yes, I know high school, um, mm-hmm. I was not the biggest fan of coffee. It just tasted bitter. It just tasted gross. But as I've gotten older and I've and as I've, you know, started to drink more coffee, I've started to love it a lot more, almost to the point where it's almost an addiction and I can't stop. <laughs> but I'm now a coffee drinker through and through. There you go. Early bird or night owl? Oh, my gosh. Here's the thing. I used to be a morning person. I used to wake up at 6 a.m. and get ready for school and then be in bed by 8. But now that I've grown older and I've had more things on my plate, I am often staying up later. And then I'm also – I just don't know. I, I, I guess I'm a combination of both, which means as you know, the uh, younger generation says that um, I'm a tired, exhausted pigeon. <laughs> That's a new one on me. um yeah it's it's more of the younger generations on social media saying that they're exhausted pigeons and i'm just like i guess that's me yeah exhausted i I, wonder why pigeon i guess early bird and night owl they're both birds oh oh okay there you go so does that mean i'm so old i don't even get the bird reference i mean Hey, I'm giving you I'm giving you the information and you're learning as as we go along. Yes, thank you. I I have learned so much, especially that today. <laughs> Exhausted pigeon. Oh. Something you would tell your younger self. I, know, I would tell so I would tell my younger self so many things. Oh, my oh my. <laughs> I would say huh huh i i i don't know i mean i i often say i don't know for a lot of things but there are some aspects in life where you could say i don't know and you and you to be honest you don't know the answer to it so Mm -hmm. i would say even though you don't know the answer you're going to eventually find the answer yeah so i guess that is my thing I would tell my younger self because I often would say I don't know a lot (laughs) especially in my in my adolescent years where I would say you know I don't know where I'm gonna go to school next I don't know what I'm gonna study I don't know this that and everything I don't know what I'm having for lunch today (laughs) um but even though you don't know the answer you're going to find the answer eventually is that I will I will say that oh I love that that was beautifully said I think I still need to hear that. (laughs) I still have to tell myself that all the time. I feel like everyone needs to hear it. Mm. Your music therapy elevator speech. Um, I often say to, you know, my friends and family, um, music therapy is a tool for people to have their meets met through, you know, physical needs, social needs, cognitive needs, mental needs, um, 
not in that context, but in, in a way that it seems more fluid. But if I'm saying to a kid, oh, music therapy is there to help people, you know, you know, to talk with someone who needs help. And they use music to help with with that modality. Well, I don't say modality in that kind of scheme that the in within that environment. But yeah, I kind of use two versions of that same elevator speech, one, you know, targeting towards kids and one more of the adult and older adult kind of context. So <laughs> as you can see, I can, I can, you know, that what's really funny is that um, a lot of things are on a spectrum. And I feel like that as, as we, as um, I'm talking to different people, I have to dial down the spectrum mm. to talk with kids or, you know, tone it up so I can, um, talk to adults or professors or anyone of, you know, 18 plus mm -hmm. technically. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of, it kind of varies of like who I'm talking to. Yeah. I, th so the way you explained that just made me think, um, you're at SUNY. So I'm assuming you've been to the, the Mar conference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I used to live out there and I, we got buttons one year at conference that says, music therapy, question mark, ask me. Yeah. And so I have one on my guitar case. And one time I walked into a session of a group I'd been doing for a long time. And the, the kids were middle school to high school age. And one of the students said to me, what's music therapy? And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> what? what? I am so caught off guard. And, and so I, I didn't have an answer, right? It's okay not to know. And so I, I looked at him and I said, well, I come in every week and do music therapy with you. What's music therapy? Right. right? I, it's also kind of funny because I'm also seeing on Music Therapists Unite and all of these um, Facebook groups of stickers that say, ask me about music therapy or music therapy, just the general music therapy uh, sticker. And I'm just like, it's so interesting that, you know, we now have this so that way we can, you know, tell everyone in the general population what music therapy is mm -hmm. and we can, you know, further their knowledge and expand their horizons of, oh, this is music therapy. Okay, let me talk to this other person about music therapy for, you know, their loved ones about, about you know, that if they, if, if, or if them or their loved ones need music therapy. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Um, marketing is what comes to mind. That's not the word. Advocacy. It's great advocacy. Yeah, advocacy. <laughs> I mean, it could also be good um, networking as yeah. well. Yes, so true. I I have a, a colleague who mentioned she she moved, so she got a new doctor, and you know, doctor says, "What do you do?" I'm a music therapist, and suddenly that became a great referral service for her, as her doctor was referring her clients. So things like that, you know, you go into your doctor's office and have a, a sticker or a pin or a keychain and. Exactly. Yeah, my dad is is an is an accountant, and he always has to network for himself because mm -hmm. he um he's self employed, mm -hmm. so he's always networking, 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 and he kind of you know gave that that tool of networking to myself and my younger sister, and we're just networking all all throughout New York, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, just you know me with music therapy, her with marketing. It's it's a whole networking family. There you go. That's important to have. Yeah, absolutely. What is your favorite self-care practice? Um, I do like to read, but I have not had the chance to do so because um, I'm taking a summer class, so I'm focusing myself on school. But when I'm not in school, um, reading, I love reading, um, just watching YouTube videos just to get myself really relaxed and my mind off of anything too busy. Mm. So yeah, like I said, reading, listening to music, um, sometimes playing music, but I just want to like not think about, you know, playing chords and not having to like play too much of like complex chords because um, bar chords sometimes are a little bit hard because I do have very small hands and the guitar the neck, the neck of the guitar can be a little too big. Mm. So bar chords can be a little bit challenging. So just listening to music can, you know, calm my busy brain. And especially with 
me being an anxious person and also a person who deals with depression, sometimes the music can calm me down when I'm anxious, but also lift me up when I am depressed. So music therapy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's great to be able to be on the receptive side of music to let and yourself receive it. Yeah. It's also, um, uh, it's also, um, also, uh, a, a thing where, um, I took a advanced receptive methods class and now I'm just like putting the information from what I learned in that class into my extra, extracurricular, mm -hmm. extra, um, outside perspective as, you know, just a music listener. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, <laughs> seeing everything in a new light. Yeah. There are so many billions of colors. Yes. There are billions of more colors than I'm used to seeing now. <laughs> How beautiful is that to take it and use it for yourself? Yeah. Something that's currently adding value to your life. Something that is currently adding value to my life. I want to say, I mean, there are a lot of things that are adding value right now. Um, one of which is organization. And I know that seems quite random, but just organizing myself and color coding mm. um, events and just making my calendar look pretty and mm. make my mind a lot cleaner than it already is. So organization is one thing that I value and I hold dear and true to my heart. As a kid, I was never organized. My locker was always a mess. But as I grew older, it just hit me that I was like, oh, I need to organize and declutter a lot of things. And I need to practice minimalism. That's where I am now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we love a minimalist. <laughs> I mean, there the the thing about minimalism is that it's the intention of getting rid of things and the the intention of living less. So like you see in the back of my, the back of me, you see that I have artwork, but it has meaning like mm -hmm. the violin that you see behind me for, for those listening at home, I have a, um, gold, uh, a violin that's been spray painted gold on a black cat, uh, black canvas. Um, it's kind of a funny story because that violin I used to play, but then I broke. Um, it dropped on the floor by accident, and it was a tile floor. Oh. And it's just been sitting in my closet, and my mom was like, why don't we make an art piece out of it? And I'm like, all right, let's go for it. So we spray painted a gold, and we hot glued it onto a black canvas, and now it's hanging up behind me. And I, I get so many compliments from my professors, the students that I used to do field work, the, my music therapy supervisor, he was like, Oh, that's a really cool art piece. And I'm like, thanks. I used to play that instrument behind me. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. I love stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, that just anything in my room that brings, you know, any intention and brings me joy, it stays in my room hmm. and it, and it once like every single time I walk into my room, it puts a smile on my face. Good. To know that, like, this is my safe space and then I made it this way. And, you know, it's minimal, it's clean, it's organized, and it makes me so happy. And obviously with the bedspread, too. Um, yellow is my favorite color. So I have, like, yellow throw pillows and a throw blanket. And it's just like, this is my safe space. This is my safe haven. This is my room. Yeah. It feels good to take ownership of your space like that and curate yes. it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Your favorite intervention or song to use in the session? Uh, there's this one song that I kind of parodied um, for the purpose of music therapy at the school that I did field work for. Um, uh, backstory about that school. It was a, um, it's a school in, the, in Brooklyn. I almost said the Bronx. It's Brooklyn. And it's a... There are, uh, there are several classrooms where it was like ages five through 13 with different uh, different needs. Like with, uh, there were children with cerebral palsy. A lot of them had, um, were on the autism spectrum. A lot of them also had Down syndrome and just overall developmental delays. 
So what I did, I parodied um, Old McDonald to um, kind of fit to the theme of lunch and eating food because the last group of the day, it was their lunchtime. And that's when music therapy was, you know, put in. So I kind of parodied Old McDonald and did Chef Pierre. <laughs> and it goes like, Chef Pierre had a plate of some yummy food. And then on that plate, he had, you know, whatever food that they could put in the chat. And I was just like, okay, this is working. And the teachers are also getting a kick out of it too. So I love using that with kids. And I also... um brought that song to a song share with other music therapists and the and one other music therapist said yeah i would love to use this for for um for an adult um because he often you know eats it's constantly eating when 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 um i'm in the room so why not use that i'm like you have my blessing use it (laughs) (laughs) wow what a fun adaptation i love that I love songwriting and I'm, and me just be, and just me, you know, being quick on my feet of thinking of song lyrics and just being silly with, with the lyrics that I come up with. It's so fun. So Mm. much fun. Awesome. I love that. I love songwriting. (laughs) The last question is where can the listeners find you and connect with you? Oh my goodness. Okay. So I recently made a new Instagram. It's called Gabby, the MT student. So G-A-B-I is my uh, G-A-B-I and then Gabby, the MT student. Um, Soon it's going to change because I'm going to be an internship soon. So I'm still going to keep the handle. I'm still going to keep the handle the same, but I just know that I'm moving from fieldwork student to intern come the fall yeah (laughs) um instagram is the best way to reach out i also have my email my school email if anyone wants to reach out it's freedma so f-r-i-e-d-m-a and then the letter g the number one at newpultz edu so that's my school email I also have my Instagram. If anyone wants to reach out through Facebook, just search up Gabrielle Davida Friedman. Uh, Davida is spelled D-A-V-I-D-A. I'm often on the Music Therapy Unites uh, Facebook group, and I'm also like on on Facebook. Just reach reach out if you want to like talk with me about you know different things about intersectionality and music therapy. Um, personal experiences with music therapy, just being a student in music therapy, et cetera, et cetera. I'm more than happy to, you know, talk. Awesome. I will link all that so people can get in contact with you and uh, join the conversation. Thank you for making the time to be on the show and sharing your insights. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to, uh, you know, have this conversation and hopefully to, inspire other music therapy students to do the same as I am doing yeah yeah you're doing it you're doing it killing it (laughs) one day at a time one day at a time have a wonderful rest of your weekend thank you you too Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. It's great to just be able to connect with other music therapists, hear their passions and what's inspiring them. And this was a conversation that really got me going for like, how can we do better? What needs to change? What needs to be improved? What do we need to do more of? And where is, you know, the direction of the profession going? Um, It's good to have questions because they give us direction for what we need to look into so thank you to gabrielle for for giving us some of those and sharing them today if you're a student or an intern i hope you extra connected with this episode and are feeling inspired and um and motivated and seen when in whatever you're going through please consider 
um, following us online. We are Music Therapy Chronicles on all the platforms and you can join our Facebook group on Facebook, jump on our newsletter. Like I said at the beginning, um, the newsletter goes out once a month with behind the scenes, sneak peeks, and uh, also different resources, downloads. For signing up for the newsletter, you get an exclusive self-care episode and download. So please check that out. You can also support the show by becoming a patron on patreon.com slash music therapy chronicles or by checking out our pod courses at mtpodcastcollective.com. Definitely want to jump on that newsletter too so you know when all the MTPC uh, launches are happening and you can get some discount codes and you can follow MTPC at MT Podcast Collective on all the social media platforms. And if you or someone you know is interested in being on the show, please let me know by sending an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com. We're going to end this show this week with a set of lyrics from Haley Kiyoko that read, I choose my actions. I am the gatekeeper. <laughs>